Happy New Year. It's Amy here. I always love this time of year for the fresh perspective and energy it can bring. That's why this week we're starting our January long series called So You Wanna. Basically, we thought of different resolutions or goals related to wellness that busy parents might have and found experts to join us to talk about how to reach those goals. Today, we have Allie Katz of Hot Mess Mindful Mom talking about how and why to be a more mindful parent. Before we dive in, I'd like to mention that this month's episodes are sponsored by my Clean Plates Happy Parents membership group. I'm officially opening it to new members for the first time since launching because I know that there are some busy parents with big goals this year who want to feed their family well but don't want to spend all their time doing it. If that sounds like you, I'd love to have you check out the membership and join us for monthly live kitchen sessions, weekly done-for-you meal plans, wellness-related expert interviews, and a supportive online community. You can find out more at www.cookingwithafullplate.com slash membership. Now let's get started with the interview. Here's the music. Hello and welcome to A Very Full Plate, the podcast where we're all about real food talk with real parents. Your hosts for today are Amy, a natural foods chef and mom of two, and Emily, a professional home organizer and mom of three. Take it away, ladies. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining us. I'm your co-host, Amy. I turn parents into kitchen ninjas to help them feed their families healthy food more often. I'm all about balance, real life, and having fun in the kitchen. You can find me at cookingwithafullplate.com and my Facebook page of the same name. Hey, guys. This is Emily. I'm a professional organizer who helps my clients simplify their lives so that they can experience harmony in their homes again. You can follow me on Facebook or Instagram or visit hallharmonyhomes.com. Come along with us while we celebrate our small victories and laugh at our challenges. And thank you so much for listening. Hey everyone, this is Amy and I am so excited to be here today with Allie Katz on the podcast talking about how to be a more mindful parent. So truth be told, I found Allie because we started thinking about this series of interviews we wanted to do in January, and I have really been feeling called to mindfulness. It's not something that I've like practiced a lot of in my life, though it keeps coming up and I've heard a lot about it. And I was like, you know, this is something we need to talk about on the podcast. So I went where people go and I went to Instagram and I was like, who can talk about mindfulness? (laughs) And Allie has fantastic branding and fantastic messaging because her... Um, name on Instagram is hot mess to mindful mom. And I was like, I have never related with anyone more in my life. And she is coming on the podcast. So, I love that. Ali, thank you for agreeing to be here today. I'm so excited to get to know you a little bit better than I did on Instagram. Thank you so much for having me. And I love that you love that because what's funny is when I first started teaching meditation and mindfulness and I first started my business, I had a whole different name. My name was A to Zen Meditation. Okay. And, um, but then my first book, the title of my very first book is called Hot Mess to Mindful Mom. And the name went crazy and it was such good branding and everybody remembered it and loved it and commented on it. And I, so I changed my whole branding and now everything's Hot Mess to Mindful Mom. And all my books now are the Hot Mess to Mindful Mom trilogy because my third book just came out. Nice. So they all have Hot Mess to Mindful Mom in the subtitle, like in some way. So that's the whole brand. Well, I think what's so cool about it is it's just like we can all relate, right? Anyone who says they are not a hot mess mom or dad, we have dads who listen, who is not a hot mess when they have kids, is just a liar in my book. Like, 
Yeah, I mean, it's funny. People, when they hear the title of my books and they hear Hot Mess to Mindful Mom, the very first question I always get is, were you really a hot mess? Mm-hmm. And I always say, I was, but I didn't know how much until I wasn't anymore. So mm-hmm. until I saw that there was another way to live and another way to be and to function, I looked back and I was like, oh, wow, that, yeah. I don't even recognize that person. So I kind of had to get out of it before I could see how deep in it I was, if that makes sense. Can you be a hot mess and mindful mom? Okay. So we all have hot mess moments, even if we're a mindful mom. So I just posted something on Instagram. I wish I had my phone so I could read it. But I like made this quote and I was like, being mindful and being spiritual doesn't mean you're in a good mood all the time and you never get mad at anybody, Mm. (laughs) you know? So Mm -hmm. I think there's a really big misconception that if you're mindful or you're spiritual, nothing bothers you. And that's just not true. At least in my opinion, that's not true. I focus so much on mindfulness and spirituality and being a good parent. And guess what? Sometimes I still yell at my kids. It doesn't happen very often and I can recover super quickly, but life is never going to stop happening. Stress is never going to stop coming. So the my key is how quickly can we recover? How quickly can we come back to center? Because we are, no matter how mindful we are and how much we meditate and how much we pray, we're still going to have moments where we feel like a hot mess or we do something that we regret. And so I always ask myself, how can I come back quickly? And what lesson is there for me to learn here? How would I handle myself if this situation happened again? Would I do the same thing? Can I break the pattern here? Can I change some behavior? And I'm very, very honest with myself about mistakes that I make and ways that I can grow and learn. I'm always, I'm a work in progress. I like to say I'm the best surprise there is because I don't know how I'm going to end up because I'm always working on myself. I'm always striving to do better. And I make mistakes all the time. I just try to learn from them. Yes. Okay. I love that so much. And there's so much I want to dig into there. But the first thing you made me think of is, you know, my work is based mostly around busy parents who want to feed their family better. And what you were saying applies so directly to this laying this healthy foundation of eating as well and developing healthy habits is for me, it's not about never having a treat or even making a mistake when it comes to eating where you're like, oops, I ate way more goldfish than I had intended, you know, but it's about being able to come back to center to like having enough practice in it that you can recover quickly instead of being like, I'll get to that next Monday. And by the way, it's like Tuesday right now or whatever that looks like, right? Where it's like, you can be both gentle and honest with yourself. And it sounds like that really applies to this mindfulness principle for you too, especially in the life of a busy parent. Yes. And you know what too is like, the more you practice these principles, the more compassion you give yourself and the more compassion you give others. Mm. Because you know what? Other people are making mistakes too. Other people are learning their lessons. I kind of think of life as like, imagine a highway as far as you can see in either direction and everybody in the whole world gets a lane. And so I'm in my lane, learning my lessons, making my mistakes, but everyone else has their own lane too. And their mistakes and lessons aren't more important or less important than mine. They might just be different. So if I don't understand why someone did something, I like to think instead of like going into a place of like hardcore judgment, I like to say to myself, I wonder what lesson they're working on. I wonder what they were like supposed to learn through that. The same principles I apply to myself, I try to really be compassionate and apply apply to other people because I'm not perfect and neither is anyone else. 
Yes. So expectations kind of change a little bit too of ourselves and of others. Okay. So I want to step back and talk about, because I love where you're at. I think so many of us identify with like, I want to be able to think and feel that and truly think and feel that. Because I'll often think like, oh, I feel bad for that person that that thing's so important to them. But really, I'm still seething about it and being mad, right? Like, it's like I'm enlightened enough, just enough to like have that thought about what I should feel. But then in my mind, I'm still like shooting daggers at them. No, you, okay, I'm going to stop for one second because mindfulness is moment to moment awareness without judgment. Okay. You should feel however you feel. It's about acceptance and like accepting the good, accepting the not good, if that's how you feel, but like not staying there. So Mm. recovering from it, coming back from it. But if you feel angry or frustrated, it's okay to say, I'm really frustrated right now with this person, but like, where do I want to go from here? Do I want to stay in this space or not? It doesn't feel good. So probably not, but not denying any of your feelings, really accepting them and processing them so you can move through them. Yeah. That's a really cool Does that make sense? It's it like- makes perfect sense. I'm thinking because it's something I've been working on a lot is like feeling my feelings. And also, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but also like being really honest with my husband and saying like, I feel really sad right now and I don't need you to do anything about it. Like yeah. I'm just feeling sad and I'm going to feel okay again soon. But yeah. I have been in that place where you're like in denial of your sadness and you're like, I shouldn't be sad. Like there's so many great things in my life. And it's actually like counterproductive to try and talk yourself out of the feeling. Well, I love what you said. I feel sad right now. So it's funny. I taught this in a class yesterday. Nothing, so many synchronicities, nothing is an accident. But like, you're not your feelings. You're Mm -hmm. just feeling that way. So you are feeling sad that doesn't mean you are a sad person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So you can feel something. Nothing lasts. Nothing is permanent. Not our thoughts, not our feelings. Nothing is permanent. Not our kids' temper tantrums, not this, you know, bowl of ice cream, like whatever it is, (laughs) everything is moving and fleeting. And so you can have an emotion. It doesn't mean you are that emotion. Yes. So it takes like some of the guilt out of it, I guess. Yes. I love that idea. So I want to step back because I think for people who are like hearing this and they're like, wow, I'm not there. Um, Talk to us about what that transition, like how did you even get started in this? And if you were the original hot mess to mindful mom, if that's where your brand started, then like what did that journey look like? Okay. So the whole thing for me became about self-care because when my kids were really young, my kids are 11 and 13 now, okay. but they were four and six when I started spending a little bit of time on myself each day. Okay. So when they were little, I felt like I was supposed to be a martyr that if I was last on my list and then I was doing motherhood quote unquote, right. And that I was proving my love to my family and that I should be last because that's what moms do. But then they got like a depleted, exhausted, overwhelmed version of mom, which trust me, is not fun. Like that's the mom that yells. That's the mom that's maybe crying sometimes. Like that's not, we all have those moments, but that's not a good place to be. And what I realized was I started meditating just a few minutes every day, like literally a few minutes and I started to notice so many changes in myself. Uh, the first change I noticed was 
after I started meditating consistently, just a few minutes a day, it was about six weeks. I was walking my dog and I stopped short. And I was like, wait a minute. I had a brick of anxiety that lived on my chest 24-7 that I'm sure some of your listeners can relate to. Just that ball of anxiety that's always there. And I I stopped short because I was like, wait, that feeling, it's gone oh my goodness, where did it go? And then I was like, oh my God, who cares? This is the best thing ever. <laughs> and I was like, well, the only, literally the only thing different in my life is I've been meditating for a few minutes each day. So maybe it's working. I guess I'll keep going. And then I kept going. And then I started to notice I felt less reactive and more responsive. So like I wasn't yelling as much. And I started to feel more compassionate toward myself and others. And I started to feel more confident. And I was like, wow, I'm 35 and I have been intuition. You know, like where's that been all my life? (laughs) And I started to notice all these changes. And then I started to handle sleep a little bit better. And then I was like, meditation is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm such a sharer. So whether I like a book, a lip gloss, meditation, whatever it is, like I want to tell everyone about it. So I was like, I have to become a meditation teacher. This is like too good to keep to myself. And then like my whole rest of my life started, you know, yeah. it just changed everything. That so is... it was just a few minutes a day. And that's what I want people to understand. You know, it's been like seven years now. So I have lots of things that I love to do. But when I started, it was one small change. That's it. I wasn't using essential oils. I wasn't journaling. I wasn't doing spiritual reading. I was just doing one thing. And one small thing, if done consistently, and I'm sure you tell this with people in terms of eating, can lead to a huge result. So don't underestimate the small things. That's why my newest book, One Minute to Zen, what can I do in one minute? There's 35 tools that you can use in one minute to come back to center, to ditch stress, to feel better. So if you're just doing one minute, but you're doing it consistently, you're going to find huge change. So it's about small baby steps. If you try to revamp your entire life in one fell swoop, it's not going to last. But if you pick one little thing and do it consistently, you will see big change. I'm so excited that you said that because this episode is actually going to be airing. We come out Tuesday mornings and it's going to be airing on January 1st. So it's like the very most perfect message for what people are hearing right now, which is like, I know that we all have big goals. Our listeners are ambitious and driven and all of the things, but I have seen exactly what you have in my own life, which is like starting small with one thing is actually so much more important than being like, I'm going to change my life this year and here's the 150 <laughs> things I have to do. And right, my like, <laughs> If I had a client that came to me the first time, I'm like, okay, you're going to meditate, you're going to journal, you're going to use oils, you're going to spend time in nature every day and da 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 and 50 million things. They would look at me like I had two heads and guess what? Do nothing. Exactly. Do any of it. So you can't overwhelm yourself and there's no wrong place to start. So if, you know, meditating a couple minutes every day feels like that's what you want to do, do that. Or if you're like, oh, I don't know, I really want to just try to journal every day or I want to make sure I take a 10 minute walk outside every day or I want to have a smoothie every day or whatever it is, there's no right or wrong thing. All They're all good for you. So you can start with whichever one you want. I often talk about, and I think about this in my business too, is like you also don't know till you try it. So, so often as humans, we are trying to 
find out the exact perfect way of doing things, but your exact perfect way of doing things isn't my exact perfect way. Right. And it's only by trying it out. Like just cause you're trying green smoothies this week. And then you find out you don't actually like green smoothies doesn't mean that you failed. It means like, okay, try something else. Like find the next thing that is packed with nourishment that you actually enjoy and will stick to. Right. So I'm going to tell you this phrase that I heard from someone and you're going to start using it obsessively. Date it before you marry it. Okay. Mm. You can try something and then see how you like it. And if you don't like it, date something else or something else. You know, it's like people are like, should I meditate in the morning or should I meditate at night? And I'm like, pick what works for you. You think, try it, date it. And if it works, marry it, stick with it. If it doesn't, let's alter the plan. Yes. You know, don't get too attached until you know if you like it. Yeah, I love that. You know, I so I started dating meditation like three months ago. I had been through a lot and my husband actually started meditating and I was like, if he can do it, I'm way more woo than he is. I was like, if he can do it, then I can do it, right? Like it was almost like a competition, which is the wrong way, I'm sure, to start meditating. But I had, I had toyed with it in the past. And so I bought the Headspace app and that has been my like go-to. And now just this morning, I was thinking like, I did a 20 minute meditation and I'm almost like kind of addicted to it, but I started with five minutes and I'm like, I noticed such a huge difference if I'm up before my kids in the morning. So I also have two boys. You have two boys, right? Yes. I also have two boys. Mine are one and a half and four and a half. So they're still in that like I need mom all the time zone. I was noticing that I was waking up in the morning in such a bad mood because they would wake me up. Like I would wake up to them, which is a horrible, it feels horrible to say that because I'm like, I love them so much. Like I am with them all the time because I choose to and all of that. But I realized it was like, I was in this cycle where I was frustrated that they woke me up and that my day then started off on the foot of caring for my kids. And I didn't have a minute for myself. And that it was a self-fulfilling prophecy So I started getting up just a little bit earlier and doing five minutes of meditation. And now I'm getting up like an hour earlier, not to scare people because like you don't have to do that, right? I'm like up an hour earlier and I do 20 minutes of meditation and maybe like a little bit of a yoga movement. And I might write a couple of things I'm grateful for down. And it has changed the trajectory of not just my day, but my kid's day. Yeah, as a result. That's amazing. And that's what I try to tell people. Like, let's say you want to start with five to 10 minutes of meditation in the morning. It's not any harder to get up 10 minutes earlier. It's just hard to get up because we're tired. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not harder to get up 10 minutes earlier, you know? So it's like, you have to just take that excuse off the table because yeah. it's not going to make any difference. Yeah, totally. But that's amazing that you've got that routine going. It's so awesome. And you're right. The happier we are, the happier our kids are. And that's what self-care does for us. You know, it's so cliche, these things we hear, but like put your oxygen mask on first before your kids on the airplane and you can't pour from an empty cup. But it's true. It's really (laughs) true. (laughs) That's why everybody says it. So, you know, it really... The happier you are, the happier your kids will be. So do what you need to do to make yourself happy. Yeah. So so if someone wants to start a meditation practice, I love this idea of just starting with like one minute or five minutes or whatever looks and feels doable to you. What does that look like in practical terms? Like where where would you have people start? Okay. Well, it's different for everyone, but I'm going to give some general starting points. Okay, cool. 
So picking a time of day, like first thing in the morning or either when your kids get off to school or when you pull into your parking lot at work and you stay in your car for a minute or before bed. So you got to pick a time if you can, because especially when you're starting, the more consistent you are, the easier it is to get into the routine and get into the swing of things. So choose a time that you think will work. You're going to date the time like we talked about. And then don't overcomplicate it in your mind. If you can breathe, you can meditate, okay? It is not complicated. There's nothing to overthink. You know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about meditation. And so, so many people think they're doing it wrong when really there's no way to mess up or do it wrong. So the one thing I really want people to know is it is totally normal for your mind to wander. People have heard the phrase, close your eyes and clear your mind. Well, that's not going to happen, okay? The average human being has a thought about every two seconds. So you could have up to 50 or 60,000 thoughts in one day. To think you're going to close your eyes for one minute, two minutes, five minutes, and not have one thought is not realistic. So set yourself up for success. Understand that thoughts are part of the process, and you need to have a focus. So your focus is like your home base. Every time your mind wanders, you come back to your focus. So let's say your focus is matching your inhale and your exhale. So you're going to inhale and count to three and exhale and count to three in your head. You just start doing that. And then every time your mind wanders, you come back to matching your inhale and exhale. Your mind wanders again. You're like, no, no, no. I'm not going to redecorate my living room in my head. I'm going to come back to matching my inhale and my exhale. And then it wanders off to your grocery list. And then you say, no, no, no. I'm going to come back. Are you in my head, Allie? You know exactly what I'm I'm in everybody's head. (laughs) But that's it. It's not more complicated than that. Now, there's so many focuses you can do. Breath, body, mantra. You know, there's 35 different ones in my book. There's so many different things you can do. But, you know, that's really the nuts and bolts of it. It's not more complicated than that. People make it so complicated in their head. And it's really a simple process, actually. Yeah. Isn't that true of so many things? We just like overcomplicate them. And especially in this age of like internet marketing, it's like, you know, you have to have something to sell. So let me make this complicated with like 150 rules. And it's like, when it comes down to it, probably most of us already have what we need within us. We just need to like do it. Yeah. And see what works. And yes. I mean, when people come to me to learn to meditate, obviously I give them a lot more information than that. I really work on with them the benefits of meditation and how it's changing their focus and their attention and what it's doing to their body and their brain. So they understand. So you're more committed to things that you understand what it's actually doing for you and the long-term benefits. But you will be amazed. You will start to feel a difference. Now, there's no timeline. I can't say at exactly four weeks or exactly six weeks, you're going to notice X, Y, or Z because it's different for everybody. But I've never heard anyone say they like themselves better before they started meditating, <laughs> right? So yes. whatever change someone feels, it's going to be good. Yes. I love yeah. that. Like I can't guarantee you anything, but I know you're going to end up in a different place. And you sort of said that at the beginning too. Like, I don't even know who I'm going to end up being. Like, how could I tell you who you're going to end up being? Exactly. Because I'm a work in progress. Everyone is. So I've made so much progress in seven years. Where am I going to be in seven more? Where am I going to be in seven more than that? Like what an incredible journey that's going to be, you know? Yes. Uh, You said something that I wanted to come back to because I just think it's so important is like um, this idea that like no one is doing it wrong and no one is doing it 
perfectly right. Like there's no like clearing your mind perfectly. And that's kind of a misnomer. And one of the things that has helped me is just this idea that meditation like yoga is a practice, right? There's a reason it's called that instead of like meditation mastery 101. (laughs) But I mean, you're never done. It's a lifelong practice. So I love, thank you so much for bringing that up, is that you literally can't mess up. If you're doing it, you're doing it right. And I really want to hone in on that so people feel more comfortable and more confident going into it. And if people are curious and want to try, I have for free on my website a five-day meditation challenge where every day for five days, I send you an eight-minute guided meditation. And each one is different. You can try different things. And I give you some tips to get started. And... um, you know, it's not as in-depth as working with me, but it gives you a pretty good start. That's awesome. I'm going to get that link from you and include it in the show notes um, at our website, averyfullplate.com, because I think that will be super helpful to people. One of the things that I often feel as I like undertake new things or even part of my fitness routine, I'll tell people like I pay people who know a lot about things to tell me what to do because the having to decide what to do is often where I fall apart. It's not that I don't want to exercise. I know I feel really good when I do it, but I need almost like an automation. Like just tell me what to do and I'll show up and do the work. And the same with like, it's what I do for people with food. Like stop thinking about this and spinning and making so many decisions for yourself. Just do this. And so I love the idea of this five-day course. And I would imagine also working with you is that same idea of like, you have to do the work, you person listening, but you get to make less decisions around what that work looks like. And you get like handholding and guidance from someone who is further ahead in the journey. Well, you also get accountability and you mm-hmm. also get to practice and then come back and ask questions and dive, dive deeper and learn more and more focuses. And so there's no right or wrong way to do it, whether someone works with me or someone downloads an app or whatever they want to do. All that matters is that they're meditating. Yes. So, you know, some people need more hand holding than others. That's why there's teachers like me willing, yeah. you know, willing and wanting to hold hands. But if someone's a self starter and really motivated and they're like, I got this, I just, you know, I'm going to do it a different way. That's totally fine too. Can I ask you a totally selfish question? I was actually just yeah. talking to my husband. Like, how does one become a meditation teacher? What does that process, what did that process look like for you? Uh, well, there's a lot of different programs out there, but I researched them until I found the one that I wanted. I went to the McLean Meditation Institute in Sedona. So I did, um, it's a 200-hour course, kind of oh. like becoming a yoga teacher. And the first 150 were um, self-paced. So we had a lot of books to read and tests and papers and calls we had to do and practice things with partners and a whole slew of stuff. And then the last 50 hours, we went to Sedona and had a 10-day in-person retreat learning process. Um, And so I completed the 200 hours and passed all the requirements. That's very cool. Meditation teacher, yeah. Sedona's amazing too. And I feel like it would be the perfect place to meditate. Yeah, it's awesome. So beautiful. So I want to come back to, we talked a little bit before about like how being mindful applies to being a parent, but I think that would be a cool place to talk about next, which is just this idea of how does mindfulness show up in the busy life of a parent and why is it so important for us to be mindful as parents who are like conscientious and caring? And I think that's a given for the folks who are listening here. Yes, absolutely. Such a great question. You know, 
life goes so fast. And if we don't pay attention, we're going to miss it. And we get one shot at raising our kids. And if we're not present and we're not in the moment with our kids, then all of a sudden they're going to be in college and they're going to be out of our house. And, you know, I noticed like early on in this process for myself that there were times when my kids were talking to me or we were playing a game and like my mind was totally on something else. And the more awareness you bring to this, the more you're probably going to notice when it happens. And so I started this mantra with myself and I would say this moment, like this moment, Allie, be here now. They're not going to want you to sit on the floor and play a game with them in 10 years. Like be here, you know? Yes. And and it was like, I, I felt, and I'm sure lots of parents feel this way, like moments gripped with fear that I was missing so much because my mind was elsewhere and I wasn't present and in the moment and really, really making a conscious decision. You know, I encourage people to make, make sure they make eye contact with their kids at least five times a day. That sounds really easy. Wait till your kids grow up more <laughs> and they're out of the house for eight hours and then they're doing homework, looking down and you're in the kitchen making dinner and you, it might not happen as much as you think, you know? And so really consciously making those moments happen and really being there, just really being present. And um, it's so important in parenthood. And we're also modeling for our kids how to interact with other people, how to have good, strong relationships. Our kids pay so much more attention to what we do than what we say. So if we are present in the moment and we can put our phone down and really engage, then we're modeling that great behavior for them. You know, yes. don't even get me started on technology. I I don't want to go down a rabbit hole technology, but this is something I really struggle with is the whole phone thing. You know, it doesn't help that my business is run online so I can justify like, oh, I'm just going to do this like one work thing right now. Do you have any hacks for well, yeah. putting down the phone more often and being more present? Because that's probably, I would say that's my largest distraction. I will tell you that I am always working on this and always working on improving, Um, but I have created ways to have more balance. So I do a lot online for my business too. And what I've explained to my kids is if I want anyone to buy my books or I want anyone to hire me, I have to do stuff online. It's the way of the world. (laughs) And, um, And I'm blessed that I can connect with people in that way. So I try to create balance. Monday through Friday, I post, I do things online, and then I don't use social media on the weekends. That's Mm. my way um, of saying I'm going to just be a little more present because then there's no scrolling, there's no mindless, you know, flipping through Instagram. I'm spending more time with my kids. If my kids are busy, I'm walking my dogs. I'm reading outside. I'm relaxing. I'm just not mindlessly scrolling. So that's been great. I really try to be off my phone for when my kids get home from school until after dinner. Some days I do better than others with it. But um, what I try to explain to my kids too is it looks like I'm on my phone a lot, but some of it is managing our household, like the calendar, their carpools, you know, all their emails from their school. So there's a lot of that that happens on the phone. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not, do, I'm not like playing games here. I'm like trying to manage your life. And you're so, welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, but I really, really try to set limits. So I also use Screen Time, which is a new app on the iPhone. I have two hours on apps during the day and then they go dark. So okay. that's helped me also. 
I am embarrassed to admit that I started using it and I was appalled, like straight appalled by the amount of screen time I was using. And I turned it off for some reason and, oh, because I was going to do an interview and I didn't want it to go dark during that. But I need to turn it back on because it was really, really eye-opening. It's scary, quite frankly. Yeah, (laughs) scary is the right word. You're right. Yes, and scary for my kids and anyone that's listening that has teenagers. We saw the movie as a family called Screenagers last week. It's a documentary. Okay, I'm going to put that in the notes too. Oh my goodness. Well, it's hard. It's I don't know why they make it so hard to find, but like there's limited numbers of screenings. So we saw it at a synagogue in our neighborhood. Schools bring it in, churches. Anyone listening, if you can get your school or your house of worship to bring it in, it's unbelievably eye-opening. Um, so after that, we were driving home, so it's noon. We were driving home, and I asked my 11-year-old, I'm just curious, like, how much time you want to spend on your phone every day? Like, when you think about your day, how much time do you want to spend on it? And he said, an hour and a half. And I was like, that sounds very reasonable to me. So we go to set up the screen time. He had already been on his phone at noon for two and a half hours. He goes, oh, my God. I mean, yeah, it was Sunday morning. We weren't getting up you know, early right. in bed, probably watching YouTube, doing whatever, nice relaxing Sunday morning. But he's like, mom, that does not make me feel good. And yeah. I said, you know, it's not about feeling good or bad. It's just about being aware, just being aware. So I encourage people to think about how much time do you want to spend on your phone and then set that limit. Yeah. You know, I, I love that idea of just putting a little forethought into, and you said something that we talked about earlier with meditation, which is like, also like there's no good or bad and like judging your thoughts doesn't do anything. And I would say like, similarly judging your screen time and being like, Oh my God, I feel so guilty about this. Doesn't do anything. It's like, what do you do next? Like right, how do you get started on what you want? Better. Exactly. Right? So like two days ago, my son, my older son, who's 13, I mean, like, I'm not even I'm embarrassed to tell you what his was, but he does a lot of studying on the phone with friends. So okay. his was like five and a half hours, but he said at least like two of that, he was like on FaceTime with friends. But then the next day, it was an hour less. He's like, mom, I moved in the right direction. And I'm like, that's amazing. You know, yeah. let's celebrate that you moved in the right direction. You were more aware. That's the key, awareness. And I, I think that's the key in so much of this mindfulness stuff, right? Is like awareness and saying like, huh, I reacted in this way and that wasn't what I wanted. And I'm not going to do that next time. And I've found only through the practice of pausing, which is something that keeps coming up on the podcast, can you even get that awareness to make different decisions? Absolutely. And that's what meditation and mindfulness does is it helps you learn to slow down. Mm-hmm. Slow down so you can take that pause and think how you want to move forward thoughtfully. That's the responding versus reacting. Yes. You don't just react and then feel terrible about your behavior, laying in bed, keeping yourself up, reliving it 50 million times. Yeah. You pause and then thoughtfully respond, how do I want to move forward? And that is such a huge benefit of meditation and mindfulness because you learn how to do that in practice. Yeah. I have two ways that that has showed up for me recently. One was parenting related. And so I'll share that one in particular is I found out the other day, my son who's four and a half, he had a friend over and they ate, they stole the gelt that I had put on the counter. And by the way, the gelt was like a year old. It was gross. And <laughs> 
ate all of it in a corner while I was sitting in the same room. Like how I didn't see this is a mystery to me and brought up a lot of questions about my presence. But it's like, okay, they ate all this guilt, which is the first time he's ever been like sneaky and okay. you know done something he knew he wasn't supposed to do. Because we eat one piece a day and we talk about it and he gets it and all of that. So they eat this piece of guilt. And then, his, so his friend had left, I find this out. And then he was like doing something else that just pushed my buttons, which every parent will identify, right? Where I'm just, and I yelled his name and then I just stood there and I was like, I am having a reaction that doesn't feel good and it's not useful. He can't go back and uneat the gel. And he's like a, he's a rule follower anyways. I was like, he's going to feel bad about this already. I don't need to make it worse. And I'm not going to make myself feel better by yelling. And I just stood there and I took like 10 deep breaths and I could actually see him getting scared because he knew what I was doing, which was like calming myself down. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just said, I'm, I'm not pleased with what you did. And I think you know why. And we're not going to have any more guilt for the rest of the week. And let's move on. Like, let's go do something cool. And it, I will just say, I think it was both more impactful in him understanding what he did and me feeling okay about my reaction because I took that pause and was just like, this is not going to a place that serves anybody. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I wouldn't have felt before. No, I love that. And my mindfulness really has changed the way when my kid, well, they're like older now, but in that age, you know, how I gave consequences because every parent can relate to like yelling out a consequence without thinking and then being <laughs> stuck with it. Like the no TV for three days and then yeah. you can't like shower in peace, you know? And you're like, why did I say that? It had nothing to do with what he did anyway. So when I learned how to pause, my consequences you know, every once in a while when I needed them, became so much more mindful. I made so much more sense because yes. I would say to my kids, you know what? I need to think for a minute. I don't want to yell something out that doesn't make sense and that I'm not going to be happy about. Just, I need to think and I'll go in the other room or I'll call your dad and we're going to talk, like whatever it is, but I'll get back to you. I'm yeah. just not, you know, and, and then I could think of something that actually had an impact and made sense. And I remember this one time my son had to like write me a letter about something because I took the time to actually think about it instead of just yelling, no TV. Yeah. Everybody I, being miserable. I really appreciate you calling that out because I've totally been like, no more screen time for three days. And then I'm like, well, that actually was a consequence for me. And similarly, had no... Bearing on, yes. But with the guilt thing, because I took that pause, I was also like, um, so there's no more guilt. And so you can't have any for the rest of the week. And please don't ask me about any other candy either. You know, and so it felt really connected where I was like, okay, this makes sense. Like it's all gone. Right. You know? Totally. <laughs> you will never eat candy again. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I have lots of guilt on my counter. I'm happy to send it to you for next year if you're good with your old... <laughs> I have like three pounds of gelt in, in a suitcase as well. So I'm like really good on gelt. And it's one of the few candy things that doesn't tempt me at all. So <laughs> No, me neither. I need a good bar of like 70% yeah. dark chocolate. That gelt does nothing. No, exactly. <laughs> I that love that. We so have that in common. That's so funny. Um, so another thing that's been on my mind is mindfulness for kids. And you probably have more experience this than I do with this, especially because you have older kids and also because this is the work that you do. But I don't want to lose a chance to talk to you a little bit about how we can, besides setting an example, like help foster mindfulness in our kids 
in a kind of organic way that's like true to where they're at in their development. Do you have any thoughts sure. on that? Sure. Yes. Um, so first I want to address the modeling part. So people ask me all the time, how can I get my kids to meditate? How can I get my kids, you know, to care about this? And I'm like, well, do you do it? Yeah. <laughs> because um, that's the best way to show them. You know, the more they see you pause and breathe when you feel stressed or even name your emotion and say, I'm feeling really frustrated. I'm going to breathe for a minute or I'm going to, you know, whatever tool you're using or I'm feeling really angry. So I don't want to yell. I'm going to breathe instead. I'll never forget the moment. The first time I saw my son become really stressed and stop and breathe because he saw me do it like 500 times and then mm-hmm. he did, started doing it. So modeling is so, so important. And then people ask me, um, you know, how do I have a meditation practice when I have little kids? And that's a really great question too. If they're really young, like, you know, under three, I would say um, you just need to work it out with a spouse or a caretaker or even a friend and like take care of each other's kids so you can meditate. I mean, you can't like leave little, little ones unattended. But um, once they get to be like three, four and above, you can talk to them. So I told my kids when they were little, mommy needed a few minutes every day to be quiet so I could be a better mommy all day long. And they kind of got that. And I said to them, you know, I, you know, need to be quiet. So at first they interrupted me every five seconds with like the dumbest of the dumbest things. And so I sat (laughs) down and I'm like, listen, you need to be quiet. You can interrupt me if like the house is burning down and someone threw up or like we need a really big emergency. But otherwise, like if you need, can't figure out how to change the channel, then you need to just wait. However, I never excommunicated them from my practice. They were always welcome. I said, I need you to be quiet. But if you want to come and lay next to me or you want to bring a book and flip through or a quiet toy or you want to put your head in my lap, like you can be with me. You can be near me as long as you're quiet. So there were many mornings that they would wake up and they would come be with me. And that was always okay with me because it normalized meditation. We want them to understand these practices. And then in terms of getting them to do it, there's some really easy, you can make it easy. Um, Okay. If a kid has a lovey or like a favorite little animal, you could, when you tuck them in at night or anytime during the day, you could say, let's give lovey a ride. Let's see how many times we can move lovey up and down with your tummy as you breathe before Mm. he falls off. And they're like taking deep breaths and calming down their body and their nervous system without even realizing what they're doing. It's just like a game or like a special crystal. Kids love crystals. Put it on their belly and they can watch it go up and down. We do, we've done this for a number of years and my kids are 11 and 13 and they still love it and they're carpool. If I forget one day, the kids are like, Mrs. Katz, morning mindfulness. I mean, <laughs> do this thing called morning mindfulness, which you can start with young kids on the way to school or at the bus stop or the breakfast table. We, everyone takes three, if they're little three, if they're older five, nice deep belly breaths, nice deep breaths. And then they think of one if they're little or maybe three if they're older things they're grateful for. So they're calming down their nervous system, filling up their heart. And then they tell me one reason why today is going to be awesome. And they like share something 
whatever they're excited about of the day. And they love it. And everyone gets out of the car in a good mood and happy. And you know those days where your kids are fighting in the backseat and someone cries and the teacher's taking them out of carpool and they're crying and you're like, I can't believe I'm sending my kid off to school. And they're fine five minutes later, but you're a wreck the entire day. I mean, have you ever had a morning like that? Yes. I had that at camp once and I felt guilty all day. I was like, I'm basically the worst mom in the world. But (laughs) but like, if you do morning mindfulness in the car, it sort of gets rid of all of that, I found. There's just not bad days like that in the car. That's a very cool practice. Thank you for sharing that. I'm curious, does your husband also meditate? My husband does a lot of one-minute meditations out of one minute to Zen, but he doesn't have a strong-seated daily meditation practice. And it's funny, people are like, your husband doesn't meditate? And the thing is, he knows about it. He knows how to do it. He knows I'm here for him whenever he wants. But I do not pressure anybody, not my husband, not my kids. My kids do it when they want not friends. I'm not like preachy and weird or no people would run away when they saw me. Like if they, if anyone knows it, if they want to talk about it or they want to learn, I'm here, but I don't pressure anyone to meditate ever because it's a self-initiated thing. Like, you know, it just, I can't, I can't force anybody. I think the exact same is true with healthy eating, right? Which is like, people will come to me and be like, how do I get my kids to eat more vegetables? And I'm like, well, what vegetables do you eat? It's like, oh, And same with like your partner, right? Like you can't force anyone to make these life changes. So I love the idea of, I think so much of what you said about kids does apply to partners, which is just like modeling it and normalizing it and finding small ways to incorporate it without like pressuring somebody because ultimately you only stick with the things that matter to you, right? Right. And a lot of with your partner, believe me, when you meditate, consistently and you start to feel different and act different, your partner's going to notice. I have had many husbands come to me to learn to meditate because they say, my wife is different and I want in. Mm. I don't want to miss out. She's amazing and like so happy. And I want to feel like that. I want to be like that. And that's how I get the husbands. That is so cool. I love that. And I, I think it's like just a really a testament to the work that you do and to what all of this mindfulness work can do, right? Is it's not just about being a better parent, though that's an impetus for a lot of people, but it shows up as being a better partner and just like being a better person and a better friend and all of those things when you have that awareness and presence and... Yes. A better everything. Exactly. A better everything. Yes. And just, it's a gift you're giving to yourself. And I tell people that all the time. If you think of meditation as a chore, as another to-do that you have to check off your already crazy long to-do list, you're going to hate meditating. But if you really think of it as a gift you're giving to yourself, a couple minutes of peace every day where no one's talking to you and asking you for anything, and it's just a quiet time with yourself you're going to love meditating. It makes such a difference. Yes. And it's the difference between like have to and get to, right? Like absolutely. You yeah. get to meditate if you that's what you choose to do. Um yeah, and it has I all the that. gifts that we've talked about here today. So, I would love to let people know where they can find you so that they can learn more about yeah. not just the benefits of meditation but different ways that they can start incorporating some of these things into their lives. Perfect. I'd love to share. So my website is Hot Mess to Mindful Mom. And I have a lot of information on there, a lot of freebies. I have a whole freebie section with some meditations and some other, you know, programs that I think people will love. And then um, 
On Instagram, I'm Hot Mess to Mindful Mom. And then on Facebook, I am Hot Mess to Mindful Mom with Allie Katz is my business page. But I also have a community, a closed community of mostly moms, um, like 99.9% moms. There might be like one dad in there. Um, (laughs) Called the Hot Mess to Mindful Mom community. And that is just a place, a safe place to get in inspiration, to connect with other like-minded moms. So that's a really fun place too. But I would also say Instagram's my favorite place to hang out. So that's another I I love following you on Instagram and we didn't get into it, but you filmed a really cool video yesterday and you guys were talking about setting New Year's resolutions and something you're doing about book reading. So I would just encourage people to like follow you there because it has been eye-opening for me and also just been a cool way to watch somebody who's living this like mindful present life and get ideas about small things that I could do to progress more in that direction as well. Absolutely. I share a ton on there. Um, So I'd love to connect with everybody on Instagram, (laughs) hot mess to mindful mom. Awesome. And then of course, buying my new book. Yeah. 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 Um, It's actually, um, it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, other smaller bookstores. So it's very easy to get your hands on. And um, I would love everyone to get a copy. There's 35 tools um, to deal with stress in one minute or less. But I also share a lot of other really fun things. I talk about my mindful spending experiment. I talk about how I developed an intuition journal that changed my life. I share tons of stuff in there. Okay. Well, my copy is on its way. I knew we were talking today and I had meant to purchase it and it's on its way now. So I can't wait to hear about intuition journaling because that's new to me. And I love love new things that can like reveal what's coming and you know, what, what would serve me better in life. So actually it's in the book too, but if you go to my Instagram, there's a link to, um, I have an, a free downloadable intuition journal that everybody can actually download for themselves to use also. Awesome. So I'm going to put all the links for this at averyfullplate.com slash 40. You're going to be our 40th episode, which is very exciting. And people will find all these links to your awesome freebies and your book and your website and the places you can follow you because I know that they're going to want to learn more from you based on our conversation today. Thank you for having me. It's It's my pleasure. If it's okay with you, I'd love to finish up. We do kind of like a either or question and you can just tell us what comes to mind first by way of wrap up. We'll get to know you a little bit better that way. Okay. Okay. Salty or sweet? Oh, both. (laughs) I have to say I'm going to go with sweet because I'm a chocoholic. Okay. I love it. Cook or clean? Cook. (laughs) Tea or coffee? Tea. Beer or wine? Wine, even though kind of neither, but if I had to pick one. But if you had to pick one, that's fine. And would you dine in or dine out? (sighs) Oh, Okay, dine out. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I appreciate you for your honesty there and also for your candid sharing of so many of your experiences as well as just like this wisdom that you have garnered through this journey. So I appreciate you for coming on today. So grateful. And I can't wait to connect with you further on Instagram and hope everyone else will be in touch with you as well. Thank you. Thanks so much, Allie. Thank you for listening.